0: O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a song that starts out this way. The best things in life are what do you think of when you hear those words, the best things in life are free? <laughs> That's good. It means it's a good time. We usually think of love. That comes freely. You don't buy love. We also think in terms of a spiritual dimension, we think of God's grace and his mercy. We don't buy that e- either. But you know, two of the things that we really enjoy this world, doesn't cost us anything, and God gives it to us freely and it doesn't cost a cent, and we have to have it to live, is the air we breathe and the water we drink. We have to have both, or we'll die very, very quickly. The best things in life are free. Well, that's not always true, because, for example, it doesn't cost you anything to breathe yet. water bottle isn't free anymore. When did we Americans start drinking water out of bottles? Anybody know why? Yeah, Flint, Michigan. (laughs) Right, that's a good example. Perrier came to this country with bottled water in glass back in 1977, and our country has not been the same since. Virtually every American chooses to drink water out of the bottle sometimes. We get in a car, we got a bottle. We go to a meeting, we got a bottle. We go for a walk, we got a bottle. We play golf, we got a bottle. They're everywhere. The air is still free, but the bottle of water is not so free. If you buy it by the case at a discount place, it can cost you about 12 and a half cents a bottle. You go to a a sporting event or an airport, it can cost you $7 a bottle. Still the same water. Somewhere on the, it always says purified water. Purified by whom? How? The water bottle people, all they do, they don't make water. All they do is put it in bottles. And they have to, to give it testing and make sure it's your good drinking water. Otherwise, it's very much like the water that comes out of the tap that most of us grew up on. And we're still here. H2O. Water. Water is vital to our very survival. We need to drink a whole lot of it every day, we're told. Eight big glasses or even more. It purifies our whole system. It takes things in and takes things out. It, it makes us breathe better. Our lungs work better. Our heart beats better. All because we're drinking this water and that's a very very special thing that we have in your bulletin this morning there's an outline not of my whole sermon but i'm going to be talking about god's word not yet but i'm going to be talking about a little bit and i want you to know that after the service is over i want you to turn yours in and you're going to grade me and i'll grade you i'm not serious this is for you to help you a little bit later. But I just want to call attention to it now. But you know that water is so critical. Water is everywhere. Water, water, water. Especially with what's going on in Louisiana this weekend and other parts of the South. Water everywhere. People are afraid of the Mississippi and the waters that, rainwater and and melted snow water from months ago coming down that Mississippi. Flood water is coming in, an inordinate amount of water coming down in a very flat place. It can be scary at times. Water can be a real problem. 71% of the Earth's surface is water. Ponds, lakes, rivers, streams, rivers, uh, oceans. It's everywhere. Fifty to sixty-five percent, I read someplace, of your body is water. If you don't take in that water, guess what? You're going to start looking like a prune. You need that water to exist. Or you will die. You have to have it every single day. You can't go very long at all without water. Real, fresh, clean water. Back in December, it was before Christmas time, my wife and I had gone outside for just a few minutes and were putting up some decorations before Christmas. I came walking back in the front door and I heard a terrible noise coming from the back of our house. I took two steps and I realized I was standing in an inch of water. In 10 minutes, water had burst forth from a big pipe Gallons and gallons of water were gushing forth all throughout all the bedrooms, the offices, the bathrooms, the closets on a wooden floor. Wow. I called my wife, turned the water off as quickly as I could. Neighbor named Lucky (laughs) came over and we were getting water out of the house as fast as we could and we had the insurance people had the all the uh, mops and the big machines. There were 14 of them in our house making all kinds of noise and racket because we couldn't stay in there to get that water up before it would start, you know, going up the walls. And that was we were spared that. It took us five months to get the house back in order. But when I walked in the house, I screamed to my wife and said, Dear, there's water, water everywhere. And what's the next line? That's what she said. I wasn't making a joke. (laughs) Whenever she realized there was an emergency situation going on. Water, water, everywhere. And where did water come from? Well, it tells us back in Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 2. Right after God made the heavens and the earth. It says, The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It never says in Genesis that God made the waters. It's just there. Maybe He did before. We don't really know. But it, it goes on, and He keeps on saying some important things about this Word of God. And it talks about that God. one thing God did when He created the world, He separated the waters from above, from the waters down below. And in the this expanse was a firmament, so that they would be separate. Although they still communicate, water from this earth evaporates and goes into clouds, and guess what? We've got more rain coming down. It keeps going back and forth and back and forth. And that was God's system, God's plan, right from the beginning. And then it says, and God separated not only the waters from above, but the waters from below, but the waters around here that there would be streams, and hills, and oceans, and it would divide different part portions of the world, so much so that in this country, most of our states are divided by rivers. Something natural, something that's going to be there, something that you can count on forever. It's so simple. There's nothing better than to drink, take a drink. cold water and right now your sense buds probably wish you had a bottle too because we need to have that water i'm not going to use it again that water is so critical for us today in isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 and then 10 and 11 from a different translation isaiah says is anyone thirsty come and drink even if you have no money Take your choice. It's all free. And then later on, as we heard earlier, Isaiah goes on to talk about water. And that's what I want to wish, that's what, I wish, what I'm talking about this morning. Water means life. Water means also God's word. Water and the word. A bottle and the Bible. Isaiah goes on, verse 10. Rain and snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth, causing the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit everywhere I send it. That's God's purpose. That's God's plan. The same, he says, is true with my word. And here's where your outline comes into place. What does he mean when he says, my word? He says in Isaiah, my word will not return to me void, will not return to me empty-handed. There's four ways in Scripture itself that that concept, word of God, is used. A lot of people equate the word of God with the Bible. The word of God is more than the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. But the concept is bigger, and I want you to see that because it It affects how you look at this scripture passage and how you look at God and his word. First of all, God's word does equal the Bible. We can take this out. We can rely on it. We can count on it. These words, God used men to to write it down. But still, it's his thoughts. It's all that we have to have to support this body in life. It's all that we have to have to prepare us one day for heaven. It's all that we have to have prepares for our own last day. And God wants us to use it well and regularly. So Word of God is the written Word of God. That's the outline part, the W. Written, written down for us. It's been around for a long time. We can count on it. We can give it to our grandchildren. It's there. But secondly, Word of God also means When God is speaking, right after the verses, the verse I just read, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water, the very next thing in verse three in Genesis it says, "And God said, 'Let there be. Let there be light,' and there was light. Light, something we also need, we'd all be stumbling around all over the place." God said, let there be light. Shazam! Power! That was God at work. And He goes on by speaking, and that power continues till today. God's power is His Word. Thirdly, it's God's Word which is spoken, which is being preached right now to you. Proclaim. Every pastor worth his salt, knows whenever he preaches, what a tremendous responsibility he has. It's not his word. It's not his power. There's nothing in him. It all belongs to God. Lord, let the words of my mouth be found acceptable in your sight. That's what I pray every Sunday. And finally, the Word of God the see. Is Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became a human being by taking on flesh. It says in verse, in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Christ. That's the most important word that we have. If we believe in the Bible, the Bible did not die for our sins. The Bible does not assure us or give us forgiveness of sins. It tells us about it, and without it, we wouldn't know about it. But if we only believe in the Bible, and friends, there's some Christians that kind of say that. That makes us biblicists, believing in the Bible. No, it's a book. It's a tool. It's meant to be used. Just like water comes in a, a bottle. The word of God comes in the Bible. Water, word, bottle. Bible, it's inside what counts. not the book. not the plastic bottle, which is a throwaway. This is not a throwaway. This keeps on telling us over and over again who God is and what he's done for us. The Bible contains the word of God and is the word of God, but it shows us most importantly of all who our Savior is. WB, WB, water, bottle, word, Bible. An easy way to remember that God has his hand in all things. We live in a world today that's pretty fast-paced. Have I mean, you been to uh, Germany to uh, to see Gutenberg's press? Anybody? Here? Fantastic old machine. And it's very primitive by our modern-day presses and so forth. But back in the 1500s, Gutenberg invented the movable movable type printing press. And you take this big sheet, and you put all the letters there, and you put ink on it, and then you Pass that big paper down, and you pull it back up, and lo and behold, you've got a printed paper. And putting those together, you could have a book. In 50 years, Gutenberg's press produced more books than the previous 1,000 years of history, 50 years. And all of a sudden, people could read the Bible, books, pamphlets, newspapers, and we weren't limited to just a very few people being able to read. What a blessing that is. But then, time kept moving on, so much so that about 25 years ago, Kindle was invented. You don't need paper anymore at all. It's just there, and you can open it up. And now we have more access through Kindle to to more books than Thomas Aquinas had in the library of Paris. And we can do it instantly. And even more than that, most of us carry these around. How many of you have your cell phone with you this morning? (laughs) Turned off? Yeah. But you know, just in this little gadget in the last 25 years, some of us don't leave home without it. Some of us feel that we spend a great deal of time with it. And we got all this information at our disposal. We have as much information in our little cell phones as is any library anywhere. Wow. Information overload. Everything happening so fast from Gutenberg's press to Kindles to cell phones and who knows what's going to be next. Words, words, words everywhere and not a drop to drink. We have all this information at our disposal. A lot of us don't even know how to use it. I don't know what all the gadgetry in my car is all about. I don't know what everything in here is all about. I can't find it. But it's possibly there and I have to learn to use it. And the same is true with God and His Word. God's Word here, there, and everywhere. How many of you have more than one Bible in your home? <laughs> Almost all. Do you need more than one? Well, maybe for different people or for different kinds of reading and so forth. But you know, we got all this information in in God's Word a lot of times it doesn't get used very much maybe if i'm in a bible study with somebody else or with uh, my opening my devotions in the morning with my spouse or by myself or maybe i'm just going into a room in a closet by myself and, and communicating with god and letting him communicate with me god's word god's word everywhere and we fail always to take a drink God wants us to have that. Water, water everywhere. The Word of God everywhere. Information everywhere. All this surrounds us. And God gives us all this for a reason, for a purpose. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to know that we're never alone. Several years ago, I saw a documentary on TV about a a pregnant black bear. And this mama bear had two little baby cub bears, two years old. And it showed them initially they were playing together, this big black bear and two little cubs. But then one day, mama bear starts with her big claws swiping at the the babies and growling at them. And they go running up a tree. And Mama Bear stays there keeps on growling, keeps on swiping at them so that they can't come down. This goes on for a long time. Every time they try to get down, Mama Bear's there saying, No, you can't come down. We're left to believe, the commentator I think said something to the fact. I guess Mama Bear doesn't really like those cubs after all. But no, what Mama Bear was doing was teaching those baby bears because she was about to produce more baby, baby bears. They, at the age of two, had to be on their own. And so they would come down from the tree eventually, and they would do what Mama had always done before. They got some berries and so forth. They found a place to curl up, and they would eventually mature. But it took Mama Bear that opportunity to say, you've got to be on your own. I'm not always going to be here. When Jesus left this world and sent it back into heaven, he said, you guys are going to be on your own. But not really. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, to the Comforter, to be with you and to advise you about everything that you need to have. And so he did. We're not alone. We got God's Word in Scripture. We got God's Word in knowing There's water out there. There's light out there. There's breath I can breathe. There is help and healing. And I can have confidence in him always throughout my days. I can hear his words spoken by a pastor in a Bible study or by a spouse or just somebody sharing the word of God on TV. And Most importantly of all, I've got Jesus Christ. who says, I will always be with you and never leave you alone. We have been discipled. The waters come down from heaven. God's word comes down from heaven. And Isaiah said, And it will not return to me empty-handed. I have given you my word, my word of Jesus Christ, and he will not return to me back up in heaven empty-handed. Because he's going to accomplish that for which I've sent him into this world. And he has. What a great thing to know that and know we're not alone. And to know that God is, is there with us and not leaving us to tend for ourselves. In Jesus, the final word of God no more is needed. Jesus went home to prepare a place, a home just for us. You no, know, in some ways, this water bottle says pure. It may or may not be really, really pure. Hopefully it is. It's clean. But you know it gets sealed shut, doesn't it? You always have to break that seal to get anything out of it. It's pure. Guess who else is pure? Jesus the Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. Your sins and my sins. And that's sealed as well. It was sealed for you in the waters of your own baptism. Once again, God using water. Something that's everywhere. And so when we can say to Jesus, Jesus, I confess my sins. I believe in you. Please forgive me. I think God's up in heaven smiling and perhaps with a little chuckle saying, this one gets it, at least for now. And I do forgive you. I forgive you completely. Yes, there is water, water everywhere. Yes, there is the word of God everywhere as well. When we look for it, when we let Jesus speak to us, as we go about our lives. May he be with you and give you comfort and assurance of his presence each day. Amen.